0: Welcome to episode 10 of the Hypnosis Nerd podcast. I'm Luke Chow, and joining me here in Toronto, Canada, is Nicole Drucken. As you can see, we're both working from home during the second lockdown in 2020, and today's episode will be 2020, a year in review.
1: On January 1st of this year, what did you predict for yourself, your business, and the world?
0: Well, first of all, it's the first year in a new decade. So the 2010s were ending, the 2020s were beginning. And because it's not just a new year, but it's also a new decade, I kind of had high hopes for myself and for the world and so on. I mean, in many uh, 20th century science fiction films, the 2020s are where we have flying cars. So that's kind of uh, the mood at the start of the year. And for my practice and for myself, we had recently implemented a treatment plans just in September of the previous year. And this is the biggest change in my practice in a long time, where for the first 13 plus years of my business, we were doing free consultations face to face verbally like every other practice. But um, after a number of years, I gained enough experience where I can articulate a treatment plan up front in writing, which I could not have done 10 years ago. So after I made this change of providing written treatment plans, which I'm not sure any other hypnotherapist um, I know of actually does. Um, but, but ever since I made this change, it seems like our client flow has been more reliable. It also seems like the clients we do on board seem to know the direction that we're moving in and they're more likely to commit to a course of sessions. So we were doing better at the turn of the decade than in previous years. So I had only high hopes for this year and this decade being a good one. Um, I thought that because of these positive changes that I could hire another associate that it wouldn't just be me seeing clients, but um, like it has been in previous years, that I would be able to have one or two part-time associates to see clients who I don't have the time for or to see clients who had a more limited budget. I guess to summarize, uh had primarily positive predictions. I had no reason to predict anything else. And uh, once in a century or so, pandemics do happen. Um, so... Yeah, that, um, that, that that kind of threw a wrench in a lot of my plans.
1: Now that we're at the end of the year or approaching the end of the year, how have events um, impacted Morpheus?
0: Good question. Well, we're still doing treatment plans. That is something that we do whether the client is coming into our office or whether they've done an online consultation. Obviously, the pandemic upheaved a lot of small businesses. It's upheaved a lot of professions and a lot of practices. Um, so this year, we've had to pivot to doing some sessions online. Um, there was the lockdown of March and April. There uh, is this current lockdown, which I'm predicting is not just four weeks, but is probably going to extend into January, possibly even beyond, because case counts are going up, not down. Uh, it just forcibly, by circumstance, we've had to... Um, see more clients online. And this uh, server that we're chatting through right now is actually one that I've set up for client calls. I try to do everything better than the status quo. I I try to push the profession forward by um, using technology or using processes or ideas borrowed from other industries or businesses to make this practice the best that we could be. And that there are numerous issues with third-party video calling services, like, you know, if uh, we use a service that goes through an American server, then all of a sudden um, Canadian law might not apply to uh, the privacy of those conversations. Um, So this server is hosted uh, here in Toronto on Canadian soil in a data center. Also with third-party video services, often there Could be hundreds or thousands of people on the same server, and the quality could um, be compromised, um, especially for free services or the free tier of paid services. Whereas with this private server, um, the maximum number of calls that are going on at the same time is really two. Um, The server can handle many more than that, but um, we have an overabundance of resources allocated. To calls going through this server. There, there's that. I've also um, been uh, putting more effort into, for example, this podcast and the YouTube channel, because I do believe that um, this pandemic is an opportunity to reach a wider audience than just people who can come into the office in Toronto. Without judging the changes as good or bad, there have been a number of changes that have been necessary because um, hypnotherapy as far as I understand, is not an essential service, according to provincial law. So um, we've had to shut down for a few months out of the year. Finally, a couple of months ago, I onboarded a new employee, Iris, and her entire job is to figure out a strategy with which we can approach corporations and work with larger groups than just the individuals or the small numbers of people I can put in a workshop at my office. So the idea with our new corporate division is that over the years, I've come to realize that there are certain attitudes and perspectives that help more than just specific individuals, but there are sets of attitudes and sets of perspectives or worldviews that can help large groups of people. So if an organization is going through some kind of major change, like having their workforce adapt to working from home, or having their workforce deal with the ongoing stresses of a pandemic, then we could send somebody into that, uh, into that company, they could do online calls, or if anyone's meeting in person, they could lead a seminar, they could lead a group, and instill the kinds of attitudes I've been instilling into clients individually. Because hypnosis is about the use of effective communication to instill attitudes and perspectives and beliefs and worldviews. That, that's what it's best for. And that means it doesn't necessarily have to be done individually. The, the right model to think of hypnosis is that the hypnotist is like an educator. There's someone who is showing the client new ways to think, new ways to see things. And the client is more like a student in that they're following along, and something once learned is, is learned it's not so much like a uh patient and a surgeon that where it has to be done one on one where there's some kind of operation that's being done to the client it it is much more instructional so because of that instructional aspect people um for example th- th- these corporate clients who were looking to um, to onboard um th- That the employees don't necessarily have to be hypnotized or consent to be hypnotized. They can be exposed to new perspectives and attitudes and ideas and worldviews simply by listening very carefully to a well-structured presentation. So that's kind of the next phase of how I want to reach more people in addition to doing more work online and onboarding other associates. So that, um, th- that plan actually has been in the works for quite some time. Uh, even before the pandemic began, um, I was thinking about corporate consulting and workshops and training and looking at bringing Iris on board. It just is that um, it all came to a head a couple of months ago when she finally came on board.
1: How has Morpheus and our clients adapted to the pandemic?
0: Well, in-office sessions, which were possible from around June to this lockdown that started about a month ago, um, they are essentially the same, except of course we, we require all clients to wear a mask, um, to not have any symptoms of COVID, um, to uh, cancel their appointments if they do have ca- symptoms of COVID. Um, so we're taking all the standard precautions, you know, hand sanitizer, disinfecting, and so on. Um, That adaptation is not really that surprising, but because we've had a few months this year where we're in lockdown, even when we have our physical office open, some people don't want to take the risk of taking the subway to get to us, or they don't really want to take the risk of being in a closed-in space with someone else talking to them for a full hour. So even though there have been many months out of the year where we could do in-office sessions, some clients would still choose to do online sessions. Um, also, as my practice grows and my reputation expands, we have been onboarding people from um, other cities, either here in Ontario uh, or in the United States. The biggest change this year is that I've been doing many more online sessions. I'll, I'll kind of divide online clients into two categories. Um, one group is people who first met with us in office, and they're switching to online sessions because of the pandemic. And the other group is clients who never met with us face to face because they're in a different city and they've only engaged with us online. So clients who first were onboarded uh, in office sometimes see the online experience as kind of a second rate experience because they weren't looking for online sessions. They, they were looking for in office sessions and it's only because of the provincial mandate that we've had to switch to online sessions. Um, But at the same time, the equation is that they could either delay their sessions until after lockdown or they could accept this second best option and then complete their program on time. So obviously, after those clients completed their programs, my calendar has become much more empty because now the only people we are able to onboard are people who are okay with the online experience. And I, I I do think people are um, not necessarily giving online sessions enough of a chance. Um, obviously, I, I've done everything I can do to um, replicate the in-office experience as much as possible from my side. So some things I've done, of course, are to have a very nice audio setup, um, as well as to make sure I have a good, reliable, solid internet connection. Um, and also to uh, be in a space that's relatively quiet on their side. There is a lot more unpredictability and it's only when um, the client has privacy and quiet and a good internet connection and f- a furniture that supports them well while being comfortable that they can have something much more like an in-office experience. If, They're doing the session, but their mind is on who might walk into the room they're in, or if they're too far away from their Wi-Fi router or their internet connection isn't that um, stable or fast. Um, If if there's anything like that, then the experience will be compromised. So some things we can control, other things we can't. The the other major problem that I only just realized um, upon the second lockdown is uh, we've had a number of clients fall asleep during their sessions. This happens in office, but not as often. Whereas when someone is in their own bed, or if they're own if they're in their own recliner in their own living room, it's just easier, I think, for them to be comfortable enough that they fall asleep. Or perhaps being in their own homes, their minds are distracted and they're they're not listening as closely. Um, in office, if someone falls asleep, I can just kind of gently. Um, kick the recliner, and it's going to rock back and forth a little bit. Um, or I can call their name um, increasingly uh, louder and louder until they hear me. Online, there really isn't that much that I can do because my voice is limited to the maximum volume that they have their computer set right. to. And um, I can't like reach out through the internet to k- kind of tap them on the shoulder or anything. So I, I-, I just have to be as patient as I can be. Um, also, um, I uh, ask the client to um, put the web to uh, train their webcam on their uh, breathing, so their shoulders and, and their face, so I can see their expressions. But um, in some cases, uh, I I can't uh, tune into the micro expressions that people are often giving off, and I I can't get as good of a feel for the client's emotional state. In real time, as I speak. So, um, you know, at the very start of the pandemic, we released a video saying that online sessions are just as good as in-office sessions. Because, um, you know, I I hadn't really uh, guessed that clients would fall asleep at a higher rate. I hadn't really guessed that many people just don't have privacy in their own homes. Um, So we've encountered these obstacles, but under ideal circumstances where the client has privacy and they have good audio and they have a good internet connection and they have good seating, then I still believe that online sessions are just as good as in office sessions. Um, In some cases, clients are more comfortable letting their guard down or they're more comfortable relaxing when they are in their own homes and they're listening to somebody over an internet link, that there is something to be said for that. Um, and also because they don't have to rush anywhere. They they don't have to drive downtown. They don't have to worry about rushing to another appointment afterward. They don't have to worry about traffic or, or the subway. So that there are advantages to online sessions that I think um, can outweigh the disadvantages. Uh, but some of the challenges that we have faced this year um, were somewhat uh, unexpected at the start of the year.
1: What kinds of issues have you been seeing more of this year?
0: Well... Even in regular times, we'll often see clients for overeating, and we'll see clients for overdrinking, but it seems like during this pandemic, people have been overeating more, people have been overdrinking more, people have kind of been uh, consuming in order to feel okay. I thought that maybe smoking rates would go up, but maybe because COVID is a respiratory illness, people are... Um, disincentivized to start smoking again or to smoke more. So I, I actually haven't seen more smokers this year. If anything, I might have seen fewer smokers this year, but I've definitely seen more overeaters and I've seen more people who overindulge in alcohol or who had quit alcohol before and then have started drinking again or have started drinking more. We've had more clients express that they are on government support or they've recently lost a job. So those, I would say, are the biggest differences in what we hear during consultations this year as opposed to the last.
1: What would you say is your biggest takeaway from this year?
0: Well, it's probably that I'm going to be doing hypnosis for the rest of my life. Now, I started this practice when I was 23 years old back in 2006. I rented out the office at 15 Elm Street. I had no idea I would still be doing the same thing at the age of now. It's 38. I'm still doing hypnosis because clients still keep choosing me. If that changes, of course, then I would have to choose a different career. But my clients seem to continually choose me and refer their friends to me and and so on. Between 2006 and now, I guess because I hadn't realized I'm going to be a hypnosis lifer, um, I had had a number of other ventures. For a while, until last year, I had owned a spa that does massage therapy and aesthetics and nails and makeup and, and so on. And I sold it last summer to kind of double down on hypnotherapy, fortunately, before COVID hit, because the spa business cannot be done online. Before I had the spa, I also had a number of other ventures. Um, I kind of saw hypnosis as my bread and butter. It's my profession. Um, but I also wanted to have a hand in other businesses probably because I didn't believe I would still be doing hypnosis year after year after year um but one thing this pandemic has helped me realize is um even more so that uh having a business like a spa where there is a lease where there are employees um where uh it's um just as uh often difficult to run as a hypnosis center Yet it's not in a field that I'm especially um, passionate about. Like having a business like this just doesn't make any sense. I am putting all my eggs in one basket and tripling down on hypnosis this year, partly because I think the pandemic can cause societal changes where people are going to be doing more things online people are going to be living more in um, suburbs and rural areas where there might not be a local hypnotherapist. Um, people are increasingly going to be um, looking for uh, resources and uh, help and so on on uh, on the internet, um, on social media, and they'll find me through those means. So when I say tripling down on um, hypnosis, um, it's, it's essentially to... Um, To grow my business, I'm going to be doing what I've mentioned earlier, which is not just to do the online sessions individually, but also to train more associates and also to reach out to corporations. Because convincing one HR director, we could reach 100 people or 1,000 people, as opposed to convincing 100 or 1,000 people individually. So that's kind of where I'm going next. Um, This practice survived the 2008 uh, recession. I started again in 2006, so in the earliest years of my business, it survived the 2008 recession. And at that time, I, was, I thought, whew, um, that might be like the worst thing that uh, practice can go through. But but then I, I never had to shut down my physical location, um, even if temporarily. Uh, so I'm sure I'm going to make it through this pandemic, too. And, I mean, there, there could be an economic depression sometime during my career. There, 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 there could be a third world war sometime during my career. But I think having the passion and the spirit um, to uh, keep this practice and to keep this profession alive is what's going to help me push or pull through those times.
1: What is one surprising thing you've learned either about yourself or your business this year?
0: Probably it's that my acceptance of online hypnosis isn't really shared by my clients. And you kind of see this in education, too, where a teacher might think, well, they'll just deliver the same lectures and they'll just uh, pass along the same slides and it's functionally the same as a classroom. Um, But the student perspective is that online classes are second rate to actual classrooms. Um, Well, as a hypnotherapist, I kind of take that instructor's perspective where I think, well, as long as I'm saying the right things and the same things, And I have the technology to deliver um, what I'm saying in a high-quality way, that it is functionally the same as having the client in my chair in my office. But the public really doesn't seem to see it that way. Um, There are some things that people have accepted doing online, like uh, banking. Used to be, in the earlier days of the Internet, online banking was something people uh, looked at with a skeptical eye. But now there are banks that only operate online and don't have any physical locations. So society has kind of changed where online banking is just a normal thing that people do. It's not seen as risky. It's not seen as out of touch or strange. It's just something people do. So much ado has been made about how Zoom calls or video calls have become normalized through the pandemic, um, even though I haven't seen as much of it when it comes to clients accepting online hypnosis. I do think the societal trend is that um, in the long term, online hypnosis eventually, even if it's 10 years from now, is going to become increasingly normalized, which means there's going to be a global market to compete in and to compete against. But still, I I do believe I can offer something unique in a global market. Um, The surprising thing is that that change isn't happening as quickly as I had hoped or as quickly as I had expected. I tend to be an early adopter. I tend to um, love technology, and I tend to like to kind of get my hands dirty with new technology. Even if it's imperfect, I like to be on the cutting edge that way. Um, but it seems like the clientele who choose hypnotherapy have more of a traditional mindset, where that they want there to be an office, and they want that office to be set up ideally for hypnosis, with, as you know, the dim lighting and the comfortable chairs and the you know warm ambiance and, and so on. So, so yeah, the the surprising thing that I learned is that there is still a big mismatch between my um, uh, acceptance of online hypnosis and client's acceptance of online hypnosis.
1: Looking back, is there anything you would have done differently this year?
0: Looking back, I don't think there's anything I would have changed simply because I could only do what I could with the information at hand. So um, at the start of the year, uh, when the pandemic was overseas in China, at that point, my ears pricked up and I thought, well, if this crosses the ocean, um, it's going to cause problems here too. So at that time, I started preparing by uh, getting some extra masks and just mentally being ready for the pandemic crossing the ocean. So it wasn't a huge surprise when we had cases here in Ontario. And, you know, a few months later during lockdown, at that time, um, I was kind of ready for it. So Um, I was in fairly high spirits. During lockdown, obviously, I I can't make clients uh, come and see me online. Um, We have to respect, you know, what they uh, feel is best for for their needs. So I I can't really do anything differently to expand my clientele, for example. I I, I did advertise more broadly. I, I did advertise more hypnosis recordings. It's like people are more willing to pay Uh, ...for a recording they could use repeatedly than to pay the same amount for a live online experience that they just experienced once. We we did adapt that way. As soon as the lockdown lifted, I reopened my office, um, and then um, I brought you on board, and then we saw clients for a while at the office... And then when things started getting worse, we changed to do online consultations and in-office sessions. Now we're doing online consultations and online sessions. We just kind of adapted according to the information we had at hand. I I don't think there's any um, major misstep in anything that I did this year. And going forward into the next year, all I can do really is just to do the best I could um, or the best I can with the information that I have at hand.
1: What's one thing you accomplished this year that you're most proud of?
0: I would say the one thing I'm most proud of is what I have been doing during many of these lockdown days when I don't have as many clients, and that is to update all of our IT systems so that we're ready for a work-from-home situation, not just with you working from home and me working from home, and then Iris running her own division, but also if I were to onboard, let's say, six new associates. Because I'm reaching more of an international clientele, they can also all work from home. Basically, if my office, um, if my building gets torn down for a condo, then um, we could be a 100% online workforce. My associates don't even have to be in Canada. Um, They could do their sessions online through this private video server, and it'll be higher quality than third-party services. Um, We have uh, our... A customer relations management system um, on a virtual private network we have our telephones on a virtual private network um, we have uh, file sharing and so on on our virtual private network so um, i've been doing all of this during the, the first lockdown summertime and, and now so that in a situation where i can't expand i don't have to worry about office space as long as clients are willing to be doing sessions online um, i could potentially take the next step and run the Morpheus Clinic for Hypnosis as more of an international uh, business because of the upgrades to the IT that I've done this year. Once the world is ready for uh, online sessions, again, it might take years, it might take decades, but once the world accepts online hypnosis, the way they've kind of accepted uh, online banking, the way they kind of accept streaming music as opposed to owning CDs, once the world is ready for it, um, I'm well-positioned to uh, take advantage of that
1: what's your best memory from the year
0: normally this wouldn't be that great of a memory normally this would just be something that i do but because this has been such an extraordinary year i think my best memory is well every patio meal that i ate um this uh late summer and early fall where because of lockdown um we couldn't eat uh at restaurants for, for a while, and then the patios opened up, and um, I, I, I love dining out. Um, so I had quite a number of patio meals just down the street from the office on Elm Street. And um, so, you know, I had good ramen, good sushi, um, uh, British style pub food, and so on. So normally that would just be a thing that I do when the weather's good, but it's because that was taken away from, from me all of us during the summertime that once I could be served um, a nice meal on a nice table um, at a restaurant, those memories are probably the best ones.
1: How did you practice self-care this year?
0: Hmm, good question. Well, self-care is a message I often give to my clients. It's basically that you are your own steward you are your own guardian no one can really take care of you the way that you can take care of yourself I mean now that we're adults so you know now that there is no parent or teacher looking out for us we must become our own guardians and you know I I try to practice this to the best of my ability I I mentioned the patio meals that's kind of one of the things I do to de-stress one of the things I do to kind of reward myself after a job well done Um, in addition to that I've tried to keep as social as I can while being uh, um, socially distanced. uh, Distanced um, during this pandemic, um, you know, to limited success. And uh, I would say the 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 one thing I do, and I I don't know whether this counts as self care, but I'm going to make an argument that it is. Um, It is uh, playing video games. And I'm going to make the argument that video gaming is one of the highest forms of art. Now, people kind of people recognize opera as a high art form because it combines music with lyricism, with uh, set design and costume design. You know, it basically there's a lot going on in opera Um, and film too. film incorporates many different disciplines. Well, video games um, often have production costs more than many major films. And, you know, they use those production costs to hire good writers, um, to uh, hire uh, designers of all types, and to uh, give their, um, their players an immersive experience. But the reason I'm arguing for why video games are a higher form of art than film and opera is that it is interactive. So when you watch a film or when you watch an opera, you can just really sit there passively and take it in. But when you play a video game, you're actually making choices and you're actively engaged in the story and you're actively engaged in the experience, which makes it much more immersive. During this pandemic, I, was, I mean, I had been hoping to take a vacation somewhere, but because I can't do that, I can explore different worlds, different locations, different settings, different people, different environments in video gaming worlds. So it kind of... Uh, has been a substitute for real-world exploration and real-world adventures. Um, But it is a substitute that is very COVID-safe.
1: That's an interesting viewpoint. I never thought about it that way before, but you're right. (laughs) My
0: my, my entire job is to get people to to see things in ways they have not thought of before. (laughs) But, but yeah, so I mean, like, I'll just add this in. If, if you've been sitting at home playing video games, you are doing the world a service by not traveling to foreign countries and then possibly bringing back COVID. If, I mean, out of all the times in your life, this is the right time to be in your own home doing indoor activities, um, such as video gaming.
1: What are you most grateful for this year?
0: Well, I'll look at the biggest picture at the most important things. So one of them is my health. I know that a lot of millennials, and I'm technically a millennial, um, they often kind of, uh, you know, um, uh, don't take COVID seriously because they're not in an age group where COVID is likely to kill them. But I I, I do value my health. Um, I do value also not becoming a transmission vector for disease. So um, I uh, am grateful for my good health. Um, I only got swabbed once because I had some cold symptoms. Um, and it came back negative, thankfully. Um, in addition to my good health, I'm grateful for being self-employed. Um, self-employment has ups and it has downs. Um, during a pandemic is one of the situations where it's often stressful and, you know, um, uh, th- th- there, you know, there is no minimum wage for business owners or for the self-employed. Um, but I still wouldn't trade it for employment because I can take a step back, look at the bigger picture and strategize accordingly. Um, I, I do like to follow my own leadership. I do like to uh, have a vision, make a plan and then execute that plan myself because often when I do, it just turns out better than um, you know when I've had employment in the past. Um, so I, I'm grateful for being self-employed, um, especially during this pandemic. And I'm also grateful for Living in the twenty-first century, because if COVID hit a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, five hundred years ago, a lot more people would be suffering, and a lot more people would be dead. But because we're living in the twenty-first century, um, after the germ theory of disease is fully accepted by scientists and doctors, um, because we're living in these modern times with modern medical science and with um, a fairly educated populace and with the internet uh, with which to pass time and connect with people, even as we're all self isolated. Um, I, I, th- th- there's no century um, up to now that I, I would rather be going through a pandemic in other than this one.
1: Agreed. If you could give your self advice at the beginning of the year, what would it be?
0: I would say to appreciate the people that you have, um, Don't take them for granted just because they are there or just because they have been there for years, Um, but also be prepared for things to change because the world itself is changing. And it's not just because of COVID. It's also because of social change. It's also because of political change. So be prepared for things to change um, and also remember to take care of yourself too, where you know, I I never thought until this year that I would have to get accustomed to self-isolation. But many people this year had to get accustomed to self-isolation. So that's the advice that I would give to myself.
1: What three words would you use to sum up this year?
0: Well, the first word has come up a few times during this call, and that is isolation. The second word that kind of is related is transformation, where despite being isolated, one can still... Uh, transform their own uh, outlook, their own plans, um, their own perspectives. And the last one, um, unfortunately, is loss. Um, It's kind of like after 9-11, it's not just the people in the towers who were their families that have lost something. We all collectively lost our innocence Um, on 9-11. The world kind of changed after that. We lost some freedoms after 9-11. And um, after this pandemic, um, whether or not we're personally affected by COVID-19, we are going to lose many of the things that we took for granted. Um, you know, Many businesses are already shut down. Um, many of the restaurants I love are going to be um, in trouble and already are. The world is going to change. We might lose some freedoms. So, yeah, isolation, transformation, and loss. Those are the three words I would use.
1: What are your predictions for 2021?
0: My predictions for 2021, I'm going to center around the theme of a return to normal, or at least what's going to be a new normal. So let's be frank, the uh, Trump presidency was not normal. There's many things about the Trump presidency that um, were definitely not uh, rooted in tradition or, or history. Um, so with a new U.S. president and a new administration, hopefully much of the political and social turmoil that we've seen over the past couple of years will calm down and there will be much more of a return to normal, just kind of in the political and social spheres. Um, and when it comes to COVID and things that impact all of us in Canada more directly, um, because the vaccine's being rolled out already, I do believe that, well, save for some holdouts um, who uh, who doubt the efficacy of vaccines, there is going to be indoor dining with friends again. There is going to be shopping at all the places we love. As I mentioned earlier, there's probably going to be some restrictions on freedom. Like, unless I show a vaccination passport or a certification card, I might not be able to go into a sports stadium and sit among everyone else. So, um... It's not going to be exactly the way that it was, just like after any major uh, social upheaval. It's not exactly the same. But I I do think there's going to be more of a return to normal. And even more personally to me, I think that once um, uh, the vaccinations seem to be uh, working, once case counts go down and the lockdown ends, that the online side of my practice is going to be a rare niche thing that I do. And um, I'm going to be seeing most, if not all of my clients in office again, because that still seems to be a much stronger preference. And I'm hoping that um, on the corporate side, because many employees are already used to doing video conferencing and having video meetings, I'm hoping on that side, online workshops are better accepted. But when it comes to the um, one-to-one kind of work that I usually do, I, I, I do think that um, you'll be sitting at the front desk, that I'll be in my office, and hopefully there will be a part-time associate, too, seeing clients in the in the other room.
1: To follow up on that, what are your plans for 2021?
0: Oh, well, I guess I kind of uh, already answered that question in advance, or I answered um, part of my uh, answer in advance. Um, So I don't know whether this corporate division is going to succeed, but I think it's worth the attempt. I think it's worth um, putting some time, some energy into it. And if you're listening and you have any kind of sway over uh, a company, if you work in HR or if if you're an executive, uh, please consider that uh, much of the work that I do can increase productivity. For example, smoking cessation will increase productivity. Um, keeping morale high will increase productivity. Decreasing stress will increase productivity. Um, we are trying to, um, put, to put together programs priced such that uh, the, the, the price of the program is just a small fraction of the expected gain in productivity or revenue um, because of the shifts in attitude and perspective. In much of the work that I do individually, something like uh, even public speaking For example, people usually seek out my help because it limits their career and it prevents the best ideas from being expressed in meetings. So if people do feel like it's okay to speak freely, if people are comfortable enough in their workplaces that um, they can be at their very best, then companies are going to benefit. So I'm hoping that that whole division is going to succeed. I do want to hire an associate practitioner. One final thing I'm planning to do in this next year is to put together more uh, products. So I've talked earlier about how I want to do work that goes beyond one-to-one work, and I want to do more one-to-many work. But one other way to do that is to create, for example, um, an a, online uh, training program in how to do hypnosis the way that I do it. Um, to sort of add that into the whole realm of uh, hypnosis, education, and training. And then after I make that once, that program can uh, be sold to many different people um, in a much faster and scalable way than if I got four people together in my office and taught to them over dozens and dozens of hours. I guess the general trend for this next year and for the decade is to be reaching more people than we've been able to reach one-to-one. And I will say that over the past uh, 14 or um, I I guess in this new year, it'll be 15 years. um, During this time, we have uh, onboarded, um, I think it's over 6,000 people in the client database. I haven't checked recently, but I think it's over 6,000. And that number, I It is not something to scoff at. That that, number is not something um, that's insignificant. But I do believe that the numbers of people who can be helped, either through hypnosis formally or through the attitudes and perspectives that I express through hypnosis, but that don't have to be accepted through hypnosis, I think the numbers of people I can help are not just in the thousands. I think it's more in the millions or even more in the billions. And... Mm -hmm. Of course, each of us only has so much time, so um, I I do see this business and this practice moving in that one-to-many direction. So I, I guess those were all the questions you had for me. I just want to give you a few moments um, to talk about your experience, because you're new to the hypnotherapy world. I know you wanted to make a career change into alternative health, um, but you're new to hypnosis formally, and you've been doing our intakes. You've kind of been talking to people on the phone. You're the first point of contact and the last point of contact for all of our clients. So so my, my question yeah. for you is, um, what have you learned the most this year, or what have you gained the most this year? And also, what do you anticipate for the year ahead?
1: I think what I learned the most is, I mean, I've always somewhat known on some level how powerful our minds are, how powerful the human mind is. I think I remember, you know, probably being one of the only 11 or 12 year olds who would get super excited for, to watch Wayne Dyer on PBS. So I've always just connected to that. Um, but I think being a part of, um, this organization and watching people transform in front of my eyes and seeing how excited they are for making these life changes it just validates that for me and i think that's it's it's very humbling to be a part of that experience
0: awesome thank you so that's a wrap thank you again for joining us on the hypnosis nerd podcast you can find us on spotify itunes google podcasts as well as our youtube channel morpheus hypnosis Um, Please subscribe for more content like this. And if you have the wherewithal to be doing private sessions with me, you can contact us at 416-556-4068 or visit our website at www.morpheusclinic.com. Again, it's Luke Chow from the Morpheus Clinic for Hypnosis in Toronto, Canada, where we make hypnosis make sense.